Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. We're talking about traps. And really, I have one because I like traps. And this one is a foot trap. We've been, we've been talking about this. And this one, we grew, we grew up, and for some reason, not that my dad trapped or mom, but we had, we had one of these. Not this one. This one's shiny. Ours was always rusty. They all have to be rusty. But we had these, and I always grew up thinking they were so much fun. And I was really excited when I could actually set them myself. And uh, yes, I did get myself a few times figuring out that I couldn't set it myself. All right, there we go. But we got this one set. But this is a little foot trap. And this one, you set down, and whatever comes running through pushes on this little pad. Boom, the jaws close. But if I just set this trap, it doesn't really do a whole lot of good because you got to know where to put it. And you can set this trap, but if nothing comes by, like if I put this in the corner, it's not going to work. First of all, this is a school. I would never leave it here, but because it probably would work. But you put it where the animals are going to be, where you know they're going to be. You put it on a path or you put something there, some bait, so that they will come. And the idea is that they will come through and they'll step on the pressure pad right in the middle and when they do, bam, snap, it gets them. I'm not going to do it with my hand. And I'm not going to ask if there's any volunteers because I don't want your hand anyways. So they come walking through here and it needs to be covered up, like maybe in some of this greenery. Like, look at all this. Like maybe some of that, Right? There, now you can't see it. It's totally invisible. I'm such a good trapper, right? And then they're going to come through, and when they hit the pressure plate, it closes. So, you still get nervous. I get nervous. It's like, what's it going to do? But they hit the plate. There we go. See, not that big of a deal, and it closes, and this is a trap, and this holds them there. And then you come, and you get them, and they're ready. But we're talking about traps, but not this type of a trap, but this is a trap. But the Bible talks in 2 Corinthians, and it says this, so that Satan will not outsmart us. We don't want him to outsmart us. He says, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. We need to be familiar with the traps that he uses because he does. He uses traps. That's really what we've been talking about are the different traps the devil uses and he tries to use to catch us. So the one we're talking about today is this. We're going to talk about comparison. Because comparison is a trap. If you want to kill the joy that's happening in your life, compare what you have, what you're doing to somebody else. Because you can be having the best day ever, and then you get on Instagram, or you get on Facebook, and you're like, my vacation's great, but it's not that great. Like, that looks like a summer. I was having fun, but they're having more fun. And you just look, it just, it just, if we begin to compare, and it does not matter what it is, your life your vacation, your kids, your cars, your husband, your wife. You can compare any of it, and you're, you're going to not like it. Comparison kills joy. It just absolutely kills it. If you want to not enjoy what you have, just compare. It does not matter what. And you can compare anything. And you've probably done this, where you walk into a wedding reception, and you look around, and you're like, I hope I'm not at that table. I'm not at that table. And you compare and you hear the laughing table. You're like, I want to be at that table because you're comparing. You can compare anything. And that's why I think this trap particular is so good. And by being good, it's bad. 
I mean bad, but it's so good because it's everywhere. We can fall into it, and we carry these phones with us that let us, no matter what we're doing, just like, oh, yeah, let me compare my life to, oh, wow, that's great. Oh, it's not. We, we can compare anywhere at any time. And that's why I think this one in particular is so good. But 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 10, 12, talking about comparison. It says, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Anybody get lost? <laughs> Let me read it again. We do not dare to class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves aren't wise. So the last part just really just nails it home. Comparing not wise. There it is. But it really is this thing that it absolutely steals what it is we're doing. It steals joy. And it is not wise because comparison gives one of two results every time. One is you feel inferior. I'm not as good, right? What I have isn't as nice. Their kids are so much better. Whatever it is. They're at this school. They're making this grade. They're with this person. This is happening here. They're getting the promote. doesn't matter what it is. Comparison. I'm not good enough. I'm inferior. Or I'm superior. Well, I'm so much better than them. Oh, look what we've got or what we're doing here. My kids would never do that or I got the promotion and this happened. If we begin to compare, we end up with inferior or superior. Comparison is a trap. I mean, you've probably heard it said, but for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch and comparison is on both sides. You end up, I'm better, I'm not good enough. What I have is better, what I have isn't good enough. It is just this nasty, nasty thing. So how do we stay out of comparison? Number one, way to get out of this comparison trap, how to stay away from it completely because it is everywhere, is this, is be happy for other people. Just, just be happy for other people. Romans 12, 15 says this, be happy for those who are happy. It is, we can just say it, be like, hey, Good for them that they went on that vacation. I'd love to go on that vacation too. Good for them that, that things are going well. Good for them that they got the promotion. Good, good. That's great. Be happy for somebody else. Just simply planting those seeds of I'm going to choose to be happy and not compare. I'm going to choose to be happy that somebody else is doing well. And then choose content. Because contentment, that's exactly what it is. It is a choice. Contentment is a choice. It's you choosing to be happy, to be content where you are. Now, Becca, my wife Becca, is the most content. She is better at this than any person I have ever met. To a fault. It's like she's so, so good, she's bad. I know, we're at good and bad again. Like, I'm serious. We're, we're dorks. And one of the things we try to do every day, we don't often... We don't always get to do it every day, is we play a game called Aggravation. Uh, some of you, raise your hand if you know what the game Aggravation is. Yay! All right. Well, it's kind of like if you, how I many know what Sorry is? Raise your hand if you know what the game Sorry is. You got the little bubble. Okay, it's the adult version of that. There's no bubble in the middle. You can handle your own dice and you can roll them and you move these little marbles around. And if, if, if their marbles were your marbles gonna be, you get to knock them out. Like the best part of the whole game, right? But we'll be playing this game. And my marble, which I'm always red, and there's Becca, she's always white. She's over there in the white marble, and I'm like, mm, got you. 
And she'll be like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm like, what do you mean you're glad? You're not glad I got you. She's like, yeah, no, I'm glad. I just, I didn't want to worry about that guy. I've got too many out already. I'm like, what is this? Like injury and insult. Like how do you turn what I did to you back? And like, oh, thank you so much. Like she finds, she's content. She's happy. Like it's to a fault. It's just over. And it's spreading to our kids. It, it is. So we were, we were driving down the road and Avery was in the back and, and uh, we passed out some gum and we look and Avery's got the gum out of her mouth. And I'm like, you put that back in your mouth or we're taking it away. Like gum does not come out of mouth. What are you doing? And so we, we keep driving. I look back and she's got the gum out again. I'm like, okay, Avery, I need the gum. Spit the gum out. You, you don't get the gum. Avery in the back goes, oh, good. I was tired of it anyways. I didn't want it. I look over at Becca, I'm like, you deserve that. I don't. You deserve that. Like, what is that? And she's a neighbor, just in all sincerity, she's like, no, I was kind of done chewing it anyways. This is great. And as much as I roll my eyes at it, and I'm like, really? At the same time, that's one thing that I never looked for in a spouse. Like, I had a list. I don't know any of them, but I had a list. But on never, not on my top 5, 10, 20, 50 I don't think everyone went any farther than that. But anyways, was ever content. But it's the most amazing thing. And now I am so grateful for that, for content. But here's what content is. Content is wanting what you have. Contentment does not come when you get something you do not have. You've probably heard it said before. But contentment isn't wanting what you, it, it doesn't come when you get what you want. It's wanting what you've got. And it's making that choice. Getting rid of comparison is making the choice to be grateful for what we have. Grateful for what we have. Grateful for our families. Grateful for our situations. Grateful for the jobs that we have. Grateful for the family that we have. Choosing to be grateful and stay grateful. Because here's the thing. We can choose to be grateful. Did you ever meet somebody and you look at them and you're like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. And you're like, tell your face because you just don't. You, you, you might be, but the rest of you doesn't look like it. Like, you tell it. And when I say be grateful, we choose to be grateful. One of the ways that we choose to be grateful isn't just saying, I'm going to be grateful. But it's putting words and saying, saying that. It's putting words to it. Saying, I'm real thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my kids. I love this about it. I'm thankful for my job. There's people who don't have them, and it supplies what we need. My boss may be a bad boss, but I love this. It's choosing to be thankful for what it is that we have, saying, I'm going to enjoy this. I love what Ecclesiastes says. It says this in Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And if that's exactly what's going to happen, if we cannot choose to be thankful and grateful for what we have, is we're just going to be chasing after the wind. You're chasing more and more and more. But more does not satisfy. If you are thankful and grateful for what you have, guess what happens when you get something different or better? You're thankful and grateful for that. If you're not with what you've got, getting something else is not going to do it because you buy the latest, the greatest, the shiniest, the fastest, and guess what? Three months later, there's a new one that's faster, shinier, 
bigger, cooler, funner, er, 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 er. It just keeps going. But when you're thankful for what you have, it changes all of that. That's how we get out of that comparison trap. We say, you know what? We're thankful. We say, hey, good for somebody else that has something. That's, hey, that's great. I'm glad that went well. And we choose to be thankful for what we have. Saying, I'm going to enjoy this. Contentment is a choice. Philippians 4.11 says this. It says, not that I, Paul's writing, he says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content, whether I, whatever I have. I know what it is to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, whether with plenty or little. And here's the thing, that contentment trap does not only show up if you have little. He says, it's the same thing, whether I have plenty or little. You can still compare, you can, you cannot be content no matter what. He says, you cannot be content. That's not what it is. It doesn't matter. I don't have the right body. I don't have the right height. I'll be, I'll be content when I can do that. I'll be content when this is long. I'll be content. No, it's being content with what we have right now. And then he goes on in verse 13. He says, what does it take? He says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We choose to be grateful. We choose gratitude. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And we choose to run our own race. He says, through Christ who gives us strength. We look at God and say, okay, I can do this. Whether I have a ton or whether I have a little. I was talking with a guy went out to coffee and was just ask, asking advice. I, I like to find people who are doing well in a area, and I ask them questions. Um, if I can, I'll just say, hey, can I take you to coffee? Can I take you to lunch? I just want to ask you some questions. Uh, we were having some trouble with some kids, and so I found somebody who had a bunch of kids. They had five, and, and they were older and all doing well, and I said, can I take you to coffee? I want to talk to you about kids, and, and he's like, absolutely, and the girls are getting older, and I found somebody else who had some girls, particularly, who I love how they're turning out. They're teenagers and beyond, and in college, and I said, can I take you out to lunch? I want to talk to you about raising girls. I've never done it before, and I like them, and I want them to turn out great. If they turned out like yours, that would be awesome. And he, he, he said yes. And so this, this another time um, was in the area of finances. There's a guy who said, hey, can, can we meet for coffee? I want to talk to you about money and, and generosity. And he goes, Absolutely. So I show up to uh, the coffee shop, and I can tell he's there because his white Ferrari's parked out front. So I go in, and, and we sit down, and, and we begin to talk. And he says, because I, I wanted to hear about being generous. He says, I've always been generous. And he says, but now that I came into, he says, we're doing much, much better. God's blessed our businesses and, and, and whatnot. And he said, and today, he says, it's a different type of being generous. He says, I have to look and think, okay, God, this thing that I love, that I enjoy so much that's parked out front here isn't mine, it's yours. And he begins to talk and he says, I've had to grow and change the way that I look at what I own. He says, and realize that it's really not mine. And he began to break it down, that it had been changing. Contentment doesn't come because we get something. We ha it's going to change. And, and his generosity says, I had to, to, to reframe the way that I looked at what I had and the things that I was able to buy and to do for my family. He's like, it, it changed. 
We're, we, but we ha- always have to be thankful. He says, I'm thankful that I have it, but if God wants it, it's his, and he can do whatever he wants with it. But it's choosing an attitude of, God, I am thankful for what you've given me. I am grateful, and I'm content right here. I am content. I'm going to use what you've given me. I'm not waiting for something I don't have to begin to do something you've called me to do today. I can begin to do it right now. We choose to be thankful. And then here's the next thing. To get out of this comparison trap is this one. Get out of this comparison trap. Run your own race. Run your own race. Not looking at what everybody else is doing. Run your race. Becca was telling me about a friend that she had that came out after class. And the girl said, I don't know how I failed that test. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, the girl sitting next to me got an A, and I copied her test, so how did I fail? (laughs) I'm like, interesting. You had some great friends. But anyways, what the teacher did was the teacher handed out different tests. And the girl copied off of the wrong test. I think it's hilarious, but I also think sometimes we do that same thing, where we look at what somebody else is doing, and we want to grade our life. We want to base what we're doing off of them. How am I doing? Am I doing good? What are they doing? But really, we need to run our own race, and it's not going to be the same as what everybody else is or what they're doing, but say, this is what success for me looks like based on what God is showing me. Hebrews 12, 21. Nope, it's 12, 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for you, and we find that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mark the race that he has for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, not the neighbor, Not such and such account on Instagram, but God, I'm going to run the race that you have for me. And I'm having fun with this one right now. We have have five kids. Our oldest is 12. Our youngest is three. We're talking about wanting to help them to know what they want to do when they get older. And we're like, hey, what do you think you want to be? And it's like, I want to be a veterinarian. And the other one wants to buy Costco and Myers and then join them underground with a tunnel. Like, that's that's his big dream. He's he's, going to do it. It's going to be great. And there's going to be roller skates in the tunnel. But anyways, um, (laughs) but really talking to them about their dreams and what they're doing and and the language. And Becca and I have been talking over and over about trying to be specific with the language we're using, about letting them know, well, your goal in life, where do you think God, what do you think God has for you? Because you can own a hundred businesses, you can sit at the top of financial towers and you can have a lot of people work for you, or you can buy your cars and live in Alaska. One of them wants to live in Alaska in a van, okay? That's, that's the dream. But if you're not fulfilling what God's called you to do, you're failing. And we can do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, one day all of us are going to stand before God. And the things that we've done here, you buy something, you know what happens. It breaks down. It falls apart. It turns to rust. No matter how much you wash it and wax it and everything in between, it all rusts. It all breaks. I have redone so many things in my, I've, 
our house. I, lived, I bought the house in 03 before I got married, so then I, like, it was, it was a, a parsonage, a horrible story parsonage where the pastor wouldn't leave the church. They threw the pastor out of the church, but they couldn't get him out of the house. So he stopped taking care of the house, and they stopped fixing the house, and it just got nasty. And then I bought it. So it was just this nasty thing. So I fixed things up in it. A few years later, we got married. Becca moved in. I have redone things that I've redone, and now I'm redoing things that I redid, that I redid, that I redid. That's what happens with stuff. It falls apart, and you redo it, and you paint it, and it needs painted again. This is stuff. But if we want to make a difference, we build the kingdom of God, and that will last. And we have to look at what that is and decide we're going to run our own race. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, and all these other things. He says, you watch. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'll add. I'll take care of these other things, is what he says. But we run our own race. We fix our eyes on him. We say, God, I'm going to run what you have for me. In John chapter 20, John 21, actually, Peter was... The disciples, I loved reading the Gospels and the accounts of the disciples and the way that they interact with Jesus because when you do, you realize, like, these were not the brightest bulbs, okay? These guys are really, they're, they're not. And I'm like, good, there's hope for me. Like, you look at the way that they act and way that, the things that they do, and Peter, of all of them, was like, he was the, the I, just says whatever comes to his mind, and he says it, and often he, he doesn't think. And, and then you've got James, who sends his mom to ask Jesus questions, and you're like, are they adults? Like, what is this? I thought this was a millennial thing. Apparently it wasn't. They're doing it back in the Bible. And you look at some of the stuff that they're doing, and you're like, what is going on? Well, Peter denied Jesus. When the, when the soldiers came and took Jesus away, Peter denied Jesus three times. And in John, we see that that. Jesus is now raised from the dead, and he's back, and he's talking with his disciples. And particularly, he's talking with Peter, and three times he asks Peter, do you love me? And three times Jesus answers, yeah, or Peter answers, yes, I do. And after three times, he's done this. And then Peter, in verse 21, we're going to pick up what it says here, therefore, no, verse 21, 21, 20, Peter turned, Jesus just asked him three times. Do you love me? Peter's answered, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back in the back of Jesus at the supper. And he had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? He's talking to him. Verse 21. When Peter saw him, he asked out, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered him. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what does it matter to you? You must follow me. I think so many times we do that in our lives. When we get caught in that comparison trap thing, where we say, what about them? What about them? What about them? And God just wants to look at us and say, you follow me. What does it matter what they're doing? What does it matter? You follow me. You follow me. We have our own race to run. We do our part. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for you are God's work, hand workmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance to do. You have a part to play. You are a part. God made you for your part, not for somebody else's part. And when we are running our race and suddenly we decide to look at everybody else's, it is the fastest way to lose. 
Stop comparing what we're doing to somebody else and say, God, what is it that you have for me? I'm going to run my race. You've probably heard this said before, but if two people are the exact same, one of you isn't necessary. But it's not that way. You are not the same. Nobody in here is the same. We have different giftings. We have different talents. We have different interests. We have different smells. We're, we're all different. We just, we're different. We're not supposed to be the same. That's the idea. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body is made up of many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. We're all, we're not gonna be, we're not supposed to be the same. We have passions in different areas. That sounded weird. Some of you, you're passionate about missions. That's great. Some of you, you're passionate about kids. That's awesome. Some of you, you're, you're, you're passionate about the poor. That's great. Some of you, you're passionate about knitting. That's great, too. You have all these little different passions and things that God's given you. Some of you, it's, it's worship. Some of you, it's teaching. Some of you, it's prophecy. Some of you, it's end times and it's what's happening. And what the devil wants to do is to tell you and get you upset that other people don't have the same passion that you do, that they don't share the passions that you do, instead of looking at it and saying, I'm a part of the body, and we're not all supposed to be the same. I love how that verse says, the human body has lots of different parts, because we do, and we, we need all of them. Noses are important, but I don't want my whole body to be nothing but a nose. Like, that, that's great. I love hands. Like, you need them. You can't pick a nose without them. Like, you, you need your fingers. You need hands. But we need every part of it. Let me just say this. We need, in the body of Christ, we need every single part. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, as we skip down just a few verses, it says this. Talking about the body of Christ. It says, this makes for harmony among all the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. I love that part. Everybody just gets, I'm glad for somebody else. And all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part. Each of you is a part. Let me just say it. You is a part of the body of Christ. That might not be correct grammar, but it's rock-solid theology. You is a part. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you is a part. Some of you are like, I can't even say it. I just can't. The words can't come out of my, I can't do it. No, try it again. Turn to the person next to you and say, you is a part. All right. You are a part of the body of Christ. Each of us, we are a part. So when we compare to somebody else, and if a hand was to say to the foot, I'm not what you are, well, of course you're not. I need a foot. And you wouldn't want, a, you didn't want your hand to be like your foot. Can you imagine all of your food? If you tried to eat and you had to smell your foot on your hand like all the time, I'd be so skinny. Like, I don't think I'd eat anything. Not even no-bake cookies, like nothing. Or I'd hold my breath. I don't know. It, but it's all different. But we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And if you don't know what that part is and you say, well, I, I am a part, but I have no idea what that part is, that's what Growth Track is for. And if you're in here, you missed first week, but that's okay. You can jump in next week. There's three parts to growth track. Number one is you need to know God and grow spiritually. Everybody needs that. You don't just get saved and it's one and done. We grow spiritually. You need that. And two, 
is discovering your gifts and talents, the things that God's put inside you. And three is making a difference in your church and in your world. Making a difference. That's why I absolutely love growth track. And if you're like, you know what? I already, I've been there, done that. I know what my gifts are. That's great. Let me ask this. What are you doing with them? Okay, dramatic pause over. But what are you doing with them? Are you using those gifts? Are you using those talents? Because it is great to do the things that we're good at. It's great to know that we're gifted in an area and begin to do it. But when we take that and we use it to build the kingdom of God, it's 10 times better. And you can know that you're making a difference. And it, it's one thing. If, let me just say this. It doesn't matter what we have for our kids. We can have college funds that are completely paid for wherever they want to go, school of their choice, and we can have accounts set up here, and we're going to have this for them, and we're going to do this, and, and we can send money. If they don't have a relationship with God, it doesn't matter. The number one thing, the number one thing that we can provide for them, for our loved ones, for our family members, for the loved ones that we have in our life, is a relationship with God. And the number one thing that we can do, if we want to make a difference, is to build the kingdom of God. And so whatever that passion is that God has inside you, we talked about this. Jason did the second he got up here. He said, we want to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all God has for you. We want you to use those talents. We want to help you to do that. Maybe it's connecting you with some other people who have those same giftings, who have that same passion inside them. It's that thing that every time it comes up, you're like, I just want to help people with their finances. I just want to help people get out of it so that I just want to help young people not make the stupid mistakes that I made so that they can do more, so that they have the freedom to go do the things that God's called them to do. That's what I want to Let's help you to do that, to be and do all God has for you. If you know what your gifts are, then what are you doing with them? Are you using them in the kingdom of God to build up his body? Because here's the thing, the stronger his body is, the more his body can do. When you're weak, you can't help somebody else. You, you can't do it. You need somebody stronger than you. You need people who can help you, who can pick you up and help you to do more with all that God has for you. Comparison is everywhere. It's an easy trap to fall into. It'll kill the joy in anything. Take away the value of anything. Just compare it. The way we get out of it is we're thankful. We, we, we are happy when other people win. When other people do well, we're happy for them. Choose to be happy. Choose to be happy. Say it out loud. I'm glad. Pray for them. Pray for them. If this is something that you really, really struggle with, you're like, I, I don't know if I can actually do that. Pray for them and watch what happens. It will change things on the inside of you. Get out of it and choose to be content. Realize contentment will never come when you get something that you want. It comes because you choose it right now. And then whatever comes, great. Whether it be plenty or little, you can choose to be content. Whether it is large, small, big, whatever, snow or summer, we choose to be content to find the best in what it is. Or we can whine that it's not summer. But those three weeks of summer are over, 
So there and just choose, say, okay, I'm going to choose to be content with what I am. I'm going to find the best in it. It's great. It's great what? It's great hot dog weather. You can go on a fire and do s'mores. You can do things outside and you get to wear sweaters and you get to wear the clothes. Find some, but it's choosing an attitude. Say, God, I want to serve you with what I have. Choose that gratitude and then run your own race. Run your own race. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. Look at what God has for you. And the way we find that is we fix our eyes on him. And remember, you is a part of the body of Christ. If you don't know what that part is, growth track next week, week two, that's fine. Jump right into it. If you know what it is, then begin to do it. Maybe it's, maybe it's joining the dream team here and getting back and just hanging out with some kids, just having fun with them, getting in a small group and hearing what they have to say, introducing, and who knows, maybe you would get to introduce somebody to Jesus and tell someone that Jesus loves them for the very first time. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's holding some babies. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's joining the prayer team. Maybe it's something that you join in a small group and getting involved there. Maybe it's something at work where there's this break and you're like, you know, I probably could really, I've been wanting to do this Bible study thing and what can I do? We'd love to help you do that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what those giftings are. Let's begin to use them in the body of Christ to make the biggest difference that we can. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He has a plan for you. And it, here's the thing. You're not waiting for anything to begin to be used by God. You don't need to move from where you are to begin to be used by God. God's word says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily as under the Lord. And you watch what he will do with it. You don't need more you don't need more money, more kids, more house, more anything. Or you don't need less money, less kids, less house, less anything. To begin to be used by, to begin to use your giftings is saying, God, right where I am, I'm surrendering it to you. I surrender those gifts to you and show me what I can do. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.